The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, welcome to Community Community Church of Edwardsburg. Thanks for uh, joining us this morning. And um, we're going to continue our exciting journey through the book of Acts here in Acts chapter 21. It's going to say that in just a second. There it goes right there. And uh, we're going to look at that in just a minute. But uh, I want to mention just a few things. I hope you're staying connected. I hope you're checking out the church website at Community Church of Edwardsburg. Uh, I hope you're also following our church Facebook page. And I also uh, hope you're getting the newsletter, the little community connection that comes out on Thursdays. If you're not and you'd like to, make sure you send us a note. Uh, we'll put you on the list for that, our little weekly newsletter. Now, if you have not heard, we are continuing outdoor services for right now, our in-person services. We'll continue to be outside down at the Edwardsburg Sports Complex, and then we'll continue to... Uh, Stream live at 1045. Now, the outdoor service is at 10 o'clock, so don't go today. You missed it. But, uh, but if you want to join us for an in-person service, those are at the Edwardsburg Sport Sports Complex at 10 a.m. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Acts chapter 21. Now, I never know, well, I wonder, I guess, exactly how transparent I'm supposed to be. Well, you know, well, of course, I'm supposed to be completely transparent, right? But, you know, I, you really can't do that in any relationship. I mean, every time I'm down, I can't mope in and, you know, hit my wife with that or all the time. But that, like, you want to be real, but you don't know how real you're supposed to be. I'm a little afraid I'm going to be a little bit too real this morning. Or maybe I should say I was a little bit too real last week. But to be very honest with you, last Sunday morning, I could not pull myself up. Uh, we had come back from vacation, and uh, I know, I know it was foolish to think this way, but somehow in my mind, I was still playing the game. Hey, I'm going to come back, and uh, the world's just going to look a little bit better. But I got done vacation, and I came back, and the world actually looked a little bit worse. And I got here, and our outdoor service had to be moved inside, and I was just really having a little pity party, and I just, re and I knew it was wrong. I mean, I knew everything about my thinking was wrong, but I still just could not pull myself up. I really, I really struggled terribly throughout the service and, uh, you know, felt like even a couple times I went off on rabbit trails I didn't want to go. And, and uh, I, just, I just had a rough morning and I thought, okay, I can't hit my wife with that all afternoon. So I went home and found some yard work to do and stayed outside. And, and we went out and got an elephant ear on Sunday night. They had a little uh, pretend fair set up at the mall. We went and got an elephant ear uh, but, uh, and tried to make the best of it. But I thought, you know, Monday morning, I got to pull myself together. Uh, now, or I got to figure out how to let God pull me together or slap me around or do something because I can't keep going like this. So I thought even before I'm going to dig into the text for the week, even before I looked at Acts chapter 21, I have a book that I, I kind of go to that is, uh, it, it, it just always ministers grace to my heart. And I thought I'm going to spend some time just kind of trying to pray and read that book and talk to the Lord a little bit and just, uh, you kind of lean into him for a while. I had intended to do that for a couple hours on Monday morning, even before I looked into the text. Did that for about an hour, and I wrote some things in my journal, and I thought, man, I still, I'm just not there. And then I thought, well, hey, it's time. I've got to start looking into the text. I got into Acts chapter 21, and I thought, that's incredible. That is so, I mean, God ministered so much encouragement to my heart through the story in Acts chapter 21. It was, I, I was like, man, that, God's Word is so awesome. 
I mean, what you know, it's like, you know, there it was waiting for me all morning. I thought, hey, maybe I'll, I'll find something somewhere else. And there it was just waiting for me when I dove into God's Word. So I've been pretty anxious to be able to share that encouragement with you. Now, I've got to warn you, when we're going through the story, you're going to listen to the story, and you're going to think, what in the world? This is not encouraging. Trust me, okay? Have I ever lied? Well, don't answer that question. But uh, I'm going to, uh, I am going to get to the encouraging part. You're going to go through the story. You're going to think, what is this guy encouraged about? And, uh, and wonder what's going on. But trust me, it is definitely coming. Okay, after Acts chapter 20, where Paul was ministering in Ephesus, and he has been talking to the Ephesian elders, he is bound and determined, while he is led by the Spirit of God, that he is going to go to Jerusalem. Now, you may know a little bit about this story, but in chapter 21, there are three people or groups of people that love Paul, care about Paul, follow the Lord, love Jesus, who are telling him, Paul, no, do not go to Jerusalem. This is not going to end well. In fact, they said, in one case, they said, the Spirit has kind of told us things are not going to end well for you there. Do not go there. One particular story found in the middle of that chapter begins in verse number 10, and it says, While we were staying uh, for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt. Okay, now this is not a false prophet. This is a prophet. And he comes to him, and he takes Paul's belt, and he bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and will deliver him into the hands of of the Gentile. Now, his belt was not the belt that you picture, a leather strap with a buckle on it, probably more of a thing. I, I don't know. I would say like a sash. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word or not. Maybe I don't know what a sash is, but I, I think I heard about it in a Christmas poem. I think I know what it is. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, next verse says this. Now, when he heard this, we and all the people, I'm sorry, when we heard this, uh, now, uh, just remember that word, we. We're going to come back to that at the end. It, it, it's, it's cool how, it, how it, it fits into our whole story here. When we heard this, we and the people, then they urged him not to go to Jerusalem. Come on, Paul, don't go. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? You're killing me, Smalls. Come on, this is what God is telling me to do. You're not letting me go, for I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And he goes on, and he says, and, uh, and it says, and since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. And after these days, we got ready, and we went up to Jerusalem. Okay? Um, the, the, the friends of Paul, those who loved him, and they did. This, this is not phony. Uh, they loved him. They cared about him. They knew he was in for a hard time. They are pleading with him not to go. I just wanted to mention this as somewhat of a side. And uh, two of the different commentaries that I read on this passage, they were talking about the idea that the biggest deterrent for many young people going into the service of the Lord and in particularly into foreign missions is their loving Christian parents. Because they're like, no. And there is something inside of every one of us, I think, that are parents that want for our children it to be easy. I know, it, I know it's for me. I don't want them to have to take the hard road. God, couldn't you just make this smooth for them in everything? Couldn't you work out the details? Couldn't you iron out the path before them? God, please, I don't want to see things get hard. Well, Paul's friends are feeling the same way. They don't want Paul to go here, but Paul says, hey, this is what God has called me to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm willing to go suffer. I'm willing to go die. Now, I want to jump ahead a little bit and see some of the things that actually happens when he gets to Jerusalem. 
Now remember, I told you one of a few different places where they pleaded with Paul not to go. But when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, here's what they did. They stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Getting the crowd worked up again. Remember, we saw that back in Ephesus. Crying out, men of Israel, help. Uh, this is the man who is teaching everyone, everywhere, against the people, against the law in this place, and, and against this place, the temple. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously in Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the t temple. Notice an assumption there. Paul actually had not done that, but they were going to assume it. They were going to uh, say that he did. And all the cities were stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that, uh, I'm sorry, of the co cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. Okay, remember that word from our story before back in Ephesus? So we got this confusion going on. They're angry. They're yelling. They're not even sure why in some cases. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Okay, now if they stopped beating Paul, guess what they were doing before they stopped? They were beating Paul. You know, we get so desensitized because we watch our heroes on TV or in a movie take a beating. You know, some guy pounds the living daylights out of their face and then they get up and they're fine. Or they're just about dead, but they get resuscitated and then they're fine. The next thing they're fighting again. That is so incredibly unrealistic. I mean, if you ever really so see somebody take a good hard punch, uh, take a good hard beating. Uh, they're not jumping up and fighting the rest of the world. I don't care what type of shape they're in. Uh, and that is exactly what is happening here. Paul is being beaten. Uh, the Tribune says, we got to get this stop, this chaos. So he comes down here and he's trying to stop it. But let's see what they say then. Uh, then the Tribune came and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. Okay, all types of accusations. And he could not learn the facts because of the uproar. And he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came down the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? If you are thinking to yourself, you've heard about Paul before and you do not remember that story, there is very good reason you do not remember that story. There is absolutely no truth to it. What is happening here is they are stir stirring up lies and fear and confusion. Lies and fear and confusion. Uh, in our outdoor service this morning, uh, uh, Adam's going to lead us in a song that says yeah, fear is a liar. But if we can remember, first of all, that fear <laughs> is never authored, is never brought into our life by God, but that fear is the tool of the enemy that he brings in as he, as he uses lies and he uses confusion to try to bring this fear into our lives. Let me say this too, just as, as kind of a aside again for a second. 
One of the things, I, I saw a special on this recently, and uh, one of the things that scares me sometimes about our world today is the ability that they have. Now, I'm going to use, actually, I'm going to use three different phrases today that are very controversial in the news. I'm not going to use any of them in the way they're used in the news. But uh, the first thing is their ability to produce fake news. Do you know what I mean? They can, they can uh, use video, they can use, uh, and they can create, actually, stories, and they can piece together things and make it look real. It is very hard sometimes to know the truth. And they can use this confusion and they can use the lies to produce fear in our lives. Let me read one more verse with you together here, or a couple more rather, to finish this up here. Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. He doesn't throw the uh, Rome word in there, but that's what he's saying there. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when, he had given him, when they had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying. Now, that's the end of the chapter. The next chapter is what we are going to look at next week. Uh, and we're going to see what he said. We're going to see the story that he tells. But what I want us to think about today, where in the world is the encouraging message? Okay, here's Paul. He, he thinks he ought to go to Jerusalem. He's told over and over again, hard times are going to come. They weren't wrong. He goes. He's arrested. He's beaten. Uh, things are not going very well. But what Paul does not do here is uh, have a little pit, pity party. party. <laughs> he doesn't do that either. But uh, he does not have a pity party for himself like I wanted to have for myself on Sunday morning. But instead, he looks at an incredible opportunity here. What he does is he learns to embrace hardships. Now, I could have said expect hardships. I could have said accept hardships. But I think it might be even better that I say one of the things that we want to do in life, an encouraging message that, uh, that comes to us, happens when we embrace hardships, which is exactly what Paul did here. If you do not step into hard times, you're going to miss some great stories. Let me say that again. If we do not step into, and if we do not step up in hard times, we are going to miss some great stories. I'm not a huge uh, Lord of the Rings fan. My, my son was, however, so I've watched it a couple times. That is probably about one-tenth of the number of times that he's watched it. Uh, but I do remember a scene where Gandalf... Uh, the wizard, if you remember, I believe he was, <laughs> hopefully I have that right, was talking. He was in the Shire, and he was visiting, and he was talking with Bilbo Baggins. Did I say that name right, Bilbo Baggins? Okay, all right. Uh, and uh, he's talking to him, and he's trying to encourage him to go. And he says, you know, are you just going to sit here? He says, what is so attractive about your grandmother's doilies? He says, it's time to get up. Are you going to stay here in your hobbit hole? But I think that is one of the messages we need here today. Are you going to stay here lying low in safety? Uh, and Tate, or are you going to step up here? He said, what is so dog doggone attractive about staying here around your grandmother's doilies? I don't think that's all that great. Every easy choice that we make is probably going to lead us away from a great story. Easy choices do not lead to great stories. And many times, the biggest regrets that we have in life are not about the things that we did, but about the things that we did not do. And can I encourage us, can we together look at 2020 right now, see 2020 as being that, that challenge, that hardship, that hard times that are ahead of us, and look to see what it is that God wants to do with that. I want to take a... a 
further look at Paul's heart by doing that, or, or to do that, I want to look back into chapter 20. Let's go back one chapter. This is where Paul is talking to the Ephesians elders, but look what he says here. He says, I want you to notice how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Isn't that great? Don't you want every pastor to have that philosophy? I will not shrink. I will not hide from t telling you anything that will help you. Okay? I want you to hear the message that God wants you to hear. I want you to hear the things that are helpful to you. I'm not going to be afraid to share those things. Verse number 21, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, that's, that's the message that we keep saying of the gospel. Faith and repentance. Repent and believe. He said, we're going to give that message, offensive or not. It is what people need to hear. We're going to give that. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. I, I know God wants me to go, not knowing what will happen to me there. I don't know what's coming. <laughs> Listen to the next line, though. Remember, he just said, I don't know what's going to happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. Can I paraphrase? But it's not going to be good. Okay? Do you ever feel like that? As the calendar turns to the next month, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of August, but <laughs> can't be good. I actually don't feel that. I think August is going to be a little, little bit of a lull. I, September scares me for some reason. I don't know. I don't want to go there. Uh, but listen, sometimes we look at life and we say, hey, wait a minute. I do not know exactly when, what's going to happen, but, not, but look, at the, look at what Paul goes on to say. <laughs> this is great. I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That is one stinking good verse, one great testimony that shows us the heart of Paul and why he says, I'm going, I'm going to embrace hard times. This is what I'm called to do because I don't count my life uh, to be more valuable than this task that I have to do. There's a story of a missionary by the name of John G. Patton who had surrendered his life to go to an area where there were cannibals. And uh, he told the story in a church about how he was going there uh, to minister. And a man came up to him and he said, you're crazy. He said, why would you do that? He said, you are going to be eaten by cannibals. And Patton looked at him and said, well, he said, you're going to spend your whole life sitting around here and get eaten by worms. I'll go there, serve Jesus Christ and get eaten by cannibals. I don't see a big difference. But, uh, but it's a little bit of that idea. See, we want in our lives everything to be easy. If you think about it, everything that is advertised to us is this is how we can make life easier for you. And can I say, in, in America in particular, we are great at that. We like ease. A couple years ago down in Guatemala, you know, I remember how overwhelming that idea comes to you is how easy we have it. Uh, they were going to make concrete, okay? Change that. We were going to make concrete. And uh, I kept looking around for the cement mixer. Or actually, I, I, I kept looking for the words, just add water. Because that's how you make concrete, what, right? That's not how they make concrete. They don't have a mixture. I kept looking for the phone number to call and have the truck come in and pour it. That wasn't happening. What they had is they had some sand uh, that they had hauled in. And they had some uh, gravel that they had hauled in. And they had the cement mix that they had hauled in. And they had some water that they had hauled in. And they poured it out here on this slab uh, and uh, and we're mixing it with shovels and there's probably 15 of us mixing this up and moving it around with shovels and I thought <laughs> all right uh, this is this is great I am so glad uh, that I get to be here and do all this no actually it was kind of fun but at the same time it wasn't something I'd want all the time I want easy 
Okay, don't we? Doesn't everything that comes down the pipe say, hey, we are going to make this easier for you? That is so much what we're after. And when we choose, when we chase after that which is easy, so many times we miss opportunities. The hard times of right now, could you think with me for a second about what can happen through these hard times? That the church of Jesus Christ could be purified. We can watch that happen. That families are valued like they haven't been valued in a long time. Like we get rid of a lot of the clutter in our life that we can figure out is all, not all that important. And we can realize, again, the things that truly are important. The opportunity here is amazing. Let us embrace the hardship. Secondly, we want to know that God is at work. In verse number 19 uh, of chapter 21 there, Paul, it says there that Paul related one by one what God had done among the Gentiles. He went through and he said, hey, this is what is God is doing. Can I remind you today that in hard times, God is at work. In difficult times, God is not dead. There's a book out uh, probably 12, 15 years ago now for young people, but just simply entitled, Do Hard Things. Go after that which is hard. But remember, Paul said, I don't shrink away from these things. What we often do is we do, we do exactly that. We shrink away uh, from the things that appear hard to us. Do you know, this is a weird, weird little survey here, see if you know this at all. Do you know which group of people around the world uh, do they see the highest return of missionary effort? What I mean is for missionaries to go and, and spend time and money, invest in those people, do they see the highest return of converts to Christianity? You know, so if you're thinking of, you know, India or uh, the Muslim world or South America or whatever like that, where do you think the highest return is? might surprise you, but by a considerable margin, it is the Muslim world. They see the greatest results, the greatest, if you want to say, return for their effort, uh, but they do not see much effort. They say that uh, Christ Christians, and I don't know who does these surveys, but they say the Christians spend more money each year on pet costumes at Halloween than they do investing in Muslim missions. <laughs> I don't know who, and by the way, I do not spend any money on my dog for a pet costume. Now, my goldfish is a different story, but I, I, I wanted you to know I don't spend any money on my dog. Uh, but if you think about the, you know, that idea, you know, that probably shocks you a little bit, that, that, that that's hard. That would be hard to do. You know, why should I go there? But so often we avoid that which looks to be hard. Even something as simple as inviting our neighbor to church. Surveys tell us that 70 to 80% of the people say that if somebody invited me to church, I'd go. But yet we shrink away. And, and we, we, we don't realize, we don't. Look for the fact that God is working. You know, I don't know exactly where we are as far as our whole pandemic uh, situation right now. I don't know if we've turned a page into a whole new chapter of life and it, and, we, and it never changes. I don't know if we're about halfway through. I don't know if it's about to end soon. But let's, let's kind of assume for a second we're about halfway through. There is a tendency in many of us, and I find this in myself, and I've talked to some other pastors, the same type of thing. It was like, okay, wait a minute. You know, the, the first couple months of this was a little challenging and maybe even a little exciting, and the summer just got hard, but we'll wait it out, and then it'll go away. And now we're starting to realize, hey, it's not going to uh, go away, so I can either sit around and boo-hoo about everything going on, or I can embrace the opportunity, and I can know that God is going to work even through this time. And I think that's what we need to do. I mean, I think that's the message. And again, I didn't feel like God slapped me or anything like that on Monday morning, but I felt like God said, come on, man. 
<laughs> Stop having a pity party. Let's get up. And God doesn't actually say, come on, man, a lot to me or anything like that. But if, if you know what I mean, God just prompted and, and, and grabbed a hold of my heart and said, come on. <laughs> are, you know, are, are, are we going to stay here? Are we going to wallow in our own self-pity? Third thing I want to challenge you to do. I, I, I think we need to embrace the hard times. I think we need to know that God is at work. And we also want to make sure that we join the story. Now, I mentioned we'll hear Paul's story next week, but I want to challenge you at this point to join the story. The second, I said I'll take some controversial words, but again, not in a controversial way. But I want you to think for a minute about the privilege that we have. I consider myself highly privileged. I mean, when I, when I look at the world, I am highly privileged. Looking at my family, looking at my background, looking at the opportunities of my life, uh, just on and on down the list, the freedoms that I have, uh, you know, in sharing the gospel and everything like that. I consider myself to be incredibly privileged. We usually use our privilege to save ourselves from discomfort. Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. We generally, that's what we use our privilege for, is to save ourselves from discomfort more than we would use it to save others from eternity without Christ. Well, that's strong, isn't it? But, <laughs> and I'm repeating something that was said to me in a sermon this week as I listened online. We use our privilege more to preserve my comfort or to protect myself from discomfort than I do to save or protect somebody else from eternity without Christ. When I was teaching a high school class one day, uh, I don't even remember exactly why I did this. I think it was just a break to do something fun, and I, and I just said, hey, tell me this. Is, if this was your last day on earth, what would you do? If it's your last day, uh, what are you going to do? And, and we started going around the room, and, you know, somebody wants to see the Grand Canyon, and somebody wants to go to Europe, and somebody wants to uh, go see a sporting event or, or play in a sporting event or something like that. And, you know, when the way I expected it to go, the way I, I envisioned when I asked the question, everything was going right along. Got the kid towards the end, and he said, my last day on earth, he said, i got to go down and witness to my grandfather really threw the rest of us. And it wasn't, if you knew the kid, it wasn't like, you know, I'm going to be pious and say something spiritual. I think this was the kid's heart. <laughs> he said, this is my last day on earth. I don't think my grandfather knows the Lord Jesus. I want to go tell him. Uh, I want to I go down and witness to him. But if we could, you know, somehow capture that. A couple days ago, I saw that uh, on the Facebook page, uh, Marissa put a thing on there about what are you wishing for, I think it said. What, you're, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? And it said, why don't you take the next 45 seconds and pray about that thing for which you're hoping but I wonder if this even comes to mind sometime, you know, the whole idea of a, a world that needs Jesus Christ. Look at these verses that Paul wrote uh, to the church at Philippi. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on your own interests, but also on the interest of others. Now, as we continue to think about this idea of you joining the story, I want you to think about these words here for a second. Back when we began the book of Acts, a uh, little introduction session, I told you who wrote the book of Acts. Anybody remember? Right, you over there who's not here today. 
Luke, that is correct. Very good. And we know that uh, he wrote and he talked about a former thing that he had written to a guy by the name of Theophilus. That was the gospel of Luke that he had written. And we believe that Luke was somewhat commissioned, not somewhat, he was commissioned to go along by Theophilus on this trip, record it, and send the report back to Theophilus. So he wrote back to Theophilus. But that was his job. He was a historian. He was keeping the records. It is really kind of interesting because I also said that we know that Luke was on the trip because I, I remember saying when we were in chapter 1, I said later on he's going to start to use the pronoun we. He didn't use it until this, this is when he starts to use it. This is when it goes from being they did this and they did that and they did that to we did this. So the historian jumps into history. And you know the, uh, the very last uh, book that Paul wrote, uh, 2 Timothy at the end, 4.11, he said that everybody else basically is gone. He said only Luke remains. Luke didn't want to miss another thing. He was going to hey, well, wasn't going to miss out on anything. Those who had fallen away, they were going to miss some of the great things. But Luke wanted to jump in. He wanted to be part of the story. He wasn't going to leave Paul. He wanted to get uh, in everything. Now, I want you to think about Luke here for a second. So he's been observing all along. He's been a spectator. But now he's jumped into the story. Can I encourage you that maybe that's exactly who you need to be today? The guy who's been watching, the lady who's been watching what is happening, watching God work, and now God wants to invite you. God wants to pull you into the story. God wants you to jump in. God wants you parents to begin to shepherd your children to God. Now, once again, I'm going to be a little harsh here for a second, but you do. But but you need to know this. It's one of those things. I think, like the Apostle Paul, I I got to tell you this because this is true and this is for your own good. The responsibility of teaching the Word of God falls on mainly on parents. Bringing your kids to church is wonderful and great, <laughs> and I hope we can do it again real soon and and have classes, but. The responsibility falls on parents. Did you know that? Now, I, I want to encourage you to baby step this thing. If that's an overwhelming challenge, you think, I don't know what to do. First of all, if you're totally lost on that, please, please ask for my help. I'd, I'd love to help you. But otherwise, I'd like you to stop and think, okay, what is that one step? What could I do? What is the first step I could do? Maybe I'm not praying at all with my kids. I can make a point to do that every night. Uh, maybe I could just begin to read them a little bit of Scripture each night and pray with them uh, before bed, that, that type of thing. Or there's a Bible story book I can get a hold of and share, share with them. Uh, jump into the story here. Stop spectating. This is you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Okay? We're watching all this happen. Let's pray. A couple weeks from tomorrow, I want to uh, have a week of prayer at church. We'll tell you some more about that. Uh, but I, can I encourage you to jump in. Look for opportunities that you can embrace. Ask God, God, what is that next page that you have? We're waiting to, to uh, read chapter 22 and find out what Paul's story is and what happens. Well, what's the next story that God has for you? What is it that God, what work is it that God wants to do in your life? Will it be you who says it was during the pandemic of 2020 that I first trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior? I put my faith in Him and believed in Him alone for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Will it be you who says I, th that was the first time in my life I really de developed a daily walk with Him and learned how much I needed Him, my dependence on Him, and I began to learn to lean on Him and obey Him in my everyday life?
Will it be you that says for the first time I stepped up and began to lead my children in teaching them the word, word of God? Hey, we can cower and we can wring our hands. Here's me a week ago. God, I'm tired. I don't want this anymore. I don't, I don't want this anymore. Okay? I want normal. I want church. God, I got, come on. I, I don't like it. We can step into the incredible opportunity that God is giving us. Would, would you go back and think about a couple of those quotes with me? We, if we are going to choose the easy path all the time, we are going to miss an incredible story. The road that God calls us to, the journey that he calls us to, remember he never said on this earth, you'll have it easy. He said the exact opposite. Can we step up and embrace the moment that we have as a church, as an individual, as, especially as moms and dads? Can we step up and embrace this opportunity that we have and watch God do some amazing things? Read the story, would you? Go back through and read chapter 21 and watch the Apostle Paul saying, hey, no, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, yeah, I could take the easy road, but look what I'd miss out on. And we'll read some more about that as we go through the rest of the book of Acts. Our Father, you, you lifted up my heart and you challenged me so much with this message that I wanted to share it with others, praying that you'll do that same thing. Lord, if there's anybody else who's stuck in the pity party of 2020, just waiting for this to end, dear God, shake us, shake us, and show us that, if, that uh, you're still writing an incredible story. You're still doing incredible things. And Lord, help us to step into that story even this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-663. 2648. Thank you for listening.